0: This is the Moira Pentecostal Church podcast, providing you with sound biblical teaching. We hope you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed by this ministry. Praise the Lord. You have your Bibles with you this morning. If you could turn to Isaiah. Turn to the book of Isaiah. I've got a message that's not going to be startlingly new. It's not going to be something we've never heard before. It's not going to be something that we're going to go, wow. But it's something that we need to be reminded of. Which I find, just as my dad once said, being the Holy Ghost spoon that stirs up the sugar that's at the bottom of the cup. The stuff that we know we need to be reminded of. We need to remember who God is. So Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6. Very, like I said, very known, well, well-known passage. I'm going to read the first seven verses. It says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings, and two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. then one of the seraphim flew to me having in his hand a live coal which he had taken with tongs from the altar and he touched my mouth with it and said behold this has touched your lips your iniquity is taken away and your sin is purged as I said it's a passage that we're very familiar with who couldn't quote off the top of their head holy 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 is the lord of hosts we all know it it's something, it comes easily to our minds if you've read the scriptures, you've been in churches, you've heard it so many times, sang songs that have reiterated over and over. But today I want us to gain a new appreciation for the, for the holiness of God. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Holy, holy, holy. I want us to gain a, re, a new appreciation for it. It's not a popular subject it's not popular in this day and age to talk about the holiness of God. It's something that we're uncomfortable with. Holiness, it's, it's been relegated to the scrap heap. You know, it's, oh, it's, it's legalism. It's, it's, it's the old way of thinking about God. We would rather think of God as loving. Oh, it's just wonderful, the love of God. God is love. We just love that. It's wonderful. And it is. I'm not taken away from that. Oh, God is gracious. We love that God is gracious. And he is gracious. He is merciful, and we love that he is merciful. But we have to remember that he is a holy God. He is a holy God. We've put it in the back of our our religious closet, down at the back where those places we don't go. We we once knew these things, and we put it in the back, you know, along with prayer, along with reading the Bible in our own time along with sharing our faith we put that in there with those uncomfortable things things that are going to force me to do something things that are going to force me to change they're going to force me to reevaluate myself and my position before god and my my behavior as a believer we don't like those things and i agree i am i agree i don't like it i would so much rather have an easier life I would so much rather have a loving God that's just love, 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 love all day long. Grace, 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 grace all day long. But when we as the people of God forget the holiness of God, is it any wonder when we go to the world and we try to tell them that Christ died for their sins that they don't believe us? What sins? Sure God's loving. Sure God's gracious. We're happy with that. Holiness? If the church has forgotten it. If the church doesn't know that God is different from us, that he is higher than us, if we don't appreciate that, how are we going to tell the world about it? How are we going to change our our town, our city, our culture until we appreciate who God is? Let God be God. He is God. Wow. What a truth. What a reality. He's God. He has gone to great lengths to tell us, to tell the world who he is, to tell them that he is a holy God. Is it any wonder the world sings songs about, it's an old song now, but if God was one of us walking along these worlds. You listen to the words of that song and I listen to it sometimes when it's on the radio or whatever and you go, the blasphemy. You know, yes, God is one of us. Yes, Jesus came to this earth. This is a visited earth. He is touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He knows about temptation. He knows those things. But he's still God. He is still totally different from us. God must be God. As I said, the Bible's an unfolding revelation of him. We read verses throughout the scriptures that are full of God's holiness. That repeatedly tell us that he is holy. Psalm 96 verse 9. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Who thought holiness could be beautiful? Oh no grace is beautiful. Oh no. What he did for us on Calvary. Holiness is beautiful though. God tells us. The scriptures are, are an unfolding revelation as I said. Of the holiness of God. You have to remember, God is speaking into, in the Old Testament, he's speaking into a culture that was totally alien to God, totally unknown to him. When Moses went to the children of Israel, he had to say, I am. You know, They didn't have a Bible. They just had the stories that were passed on generation to generation, and many of them forgotten. They didn't understand who God was. The surrounding cultures were entirely pagan, worshiping gods, which today we know the names, but we don't even know what they mean. You know, the, the Greeks and the, the, the Romans and the, the Hittites and the Egyptians and the Babylonians all worshipped gods which were, 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 were fickle. They were capricious. They, they did things of their own will and their own whim. People did whatever they could to try and placate them, to try and appease them, to try and get the favor of the gods. They would do mad things. Was, they looked at the gods of, of Olympus as playing chess with mankind, unknowable, distant, and all the rest. These gods were seen to bring floods or accused of bringing floods and famine and pestilence and all sorts. God was introducing himself to this atmosphere where people worshiped gods that were careless, random. We know which didn't exist. In our day, we've got... The God of Islam. Only twice in the entire Quran is Allah called holy. Only twice in the entire Quran. And yet we have just read one verse that says, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. One verse. Over 600 times in the Bible it talks about holiness. The God of Israel is proclaimed as holy. The purest teaching of Islam is that the God of uh, Allah is, uh, uh, is God. And he is unknowable. The Muslims will tell you they cannot know Allah. They can only know his will. And they'd hope to do his will. But if you go into it in any depth that I've done in the past. You find out that they actually believe that everything good that happens. And everything bad that happens is the will of Allah. They're trying to tell me that's not much more different than the gods of Rome and Greece, gods who seem to do things of their own bat capriciously. Exodus fifteen eleven, Song of Moses, after the, the Egyptian army had been flooded and washed away and drowned, and they say, he sings in that verse, "'Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? "'Who is like you, glorious in holiness?' God is trying to tell his people right from the start that I am a holy God. I am wholly different from what you're used to. I'm wholly different from what you're familiar with. Early in the Old Testament, the understanding of holiness was an understanding of separation. Separation from all the corruption of this world separation from death since god's rule is the rule of life separation from other gods the gods of the pagans separation from worldly influences literally the word holy holy comes from the word cut or to cut and the idea being as we would say in in english we would say a cut above a different cut not the usual cut you know you go in and you order a steak and the butchers you don't just order the the, the basic cut You, you have to ask for the good cut the good piece. It's a cut, a different cut than everything else. Isaiah 6: three there says, "And one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. In this one verse, God is saying something very unique. He's telling us something about himself that he knows instinctively because it's him, but he wants us to know. Throughout scripture in the Jewish tradition, they've got this way of talking, the way of writing things, and they, they often repeat things you know, where they go verily, verily. You can think of even of times where they use people's names. And, you know, in the New Testament, we would go Mary, Mary, Martha, Martha. In, in the Old Testament, Abraham, Abraham, Abram, Abram. You know, where, where God repeats the thing to get our attention, something to draw our focus to something that is significant. You know, in this particular passage that we're reading and we're talking about, people have suggested, and I'm not disagreeing, but people have suggested that holy, holy, holy Lord God of hosts is uh, is talking about the Trinity. Holy God, the Father. Holy God, Jesus. Holy God, the Holy Spirit. And, And that's what they're saying. But it could be. But he's doing something significant here. He's drawing our attention to it. Something that we need to take on board in, in the Jewish language, grammatically, it's not as complex as some other languages. Uh, in English, we have what they call superlatives. Fancy word. I Googled it, looked it up. And, and the idea is that words that develop, you know, we would have fast cars, faster cars, and then the fastest car. You know, in this case, you know, really, we interpret this as, you know, you can interpret this in some ways as saying Holy holier and the holiest but they they, they don't do that but they draw our attention to things in order to highlight them and genesis a good example uh, you you know the story of abraham and lot and they had separated and abraham was on the mountains in the rough terrain in the deserts and lot was in the the well-watered plain and and conflict broke out with the surrounding peoples uh, and the the kings came in and they captured lot Abraham raised his men together as servants, his, the guys who looked after the kettle, the cattle, the guys who looked after the kettle, uh, and he brought them all together to go and free lots, and they did, and the armies were scattered and what have you. And it says in the scriptures that the, these kings, the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah, fled. It says through the valley of Siddim, which was full of asphalt pits. That's not what the Hebrew says. What the Hebrew says. They fled through the valley of Siddim, which was pits, pits. So they just repeat it in order to expand upon it. So whenever we look at this passage and we see it saying, holy, 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 Lord God of hosts, God's drawing our attention to it. As I said at the beginning, it's, it's remarkable. It doesn't say anywhere, anywhere in the scriptures. God is love, love, love it doesn't say anywhere in the scriptures that God is grace, grace, grace. It doesn't say anywhere in the scriptures, mercy, mercy, mercy. It only says holy, holy, holy. See, our appreciation of God has become full of love and grace, and it is. It is absolutely. But we need to remember that he is holy, holy, holy. He wants us to remember that he is holy, holy, holy. Holy. Every great move of God in the world, especially in the West, the ones we're very well documented, every great move of God in the world has had had the people of God returning to the holiness of God. A desire to know God for who he is, to see God move in their lives, to revive them, to change them. And as such, God has moved. Methodism John Wesley talked about the second crisis of the soul, a desire for holiness. The Quakers, the, the Puritans, all desired to know God for who he was in purity and in holiness. Let's take a minute today to consider God, to consider his starting point. We all know our starting point, but let's consider his. He is wholly different from us. Wholly different from us. He is the only being in all of existence, in all of the universe that has the power and ability to create the universe. Just as the sun is unique, powerful, and the source of life on earth, he is powerful beyond words. That is why he is God. He lives in a place Created and sustained by his character and ability. He just didn't find himself in heaven. He created heaven. He lives there. A place of utmost perfection. Of obedience to his word. Of righteousness. Right action. Right thought. Right word. A place totally free of sin where goodness is not considered naivety but the order of the day where cynicism has no place where there are no back doors or hidden agendas to be afraid of no malice is lurking no harm uh, to harm or to destroy a place where there is no isolation or loneliness wow what a place What a place. A place where companionship and community is the order of the day. You know, we should have a little bit of heaven here amongst God's people, shouldn't we? Companionship and community. No loneliness. Isolation shouldn't belong here. Rebellion, anger, hatred, violence, hurt, pain, suffering, death, Do not exist there. Sinfulness cannot dwell there. That's where He comes from. That's what He created. That's what heaven is like. Wow. That is totally different from us. All those things are the norm here. All the opposites, I should say, are the norm here, aren't they? We come from a place where these are every day in abundance. Hatred and violence, deceit, cynicism, selfishness. Our best thoughts and our best actions come from our place, come from this world. His best comes from that world. Wow. Is it any wonder he goes to great lengths to tell us, I am not like you? Numbers 23, 19, God is not a man that he should lie. He's not like us. He's different from us. Isaiah 55, verse 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, says the Lord. For as, as, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, my thoughts than your thoughts. Wow. Different from us. Totally different from us. It's important that we realize this. We appreciate this. See, we get this habit that we compartmentalize. That we we separate God. We got his love over here and we talk about his love and we preach about his love. We love his love. Oh, we've got his grace and his grace, oh, it's wonderful. Oh, glory, is grace. Oh, we love it. And we break him all down and we make God into a schizophrenic. We we divide him up and we put him in a wee box and oh, he's all about this, and he's all about that. He's not a schizophrenic. He's not some sort of divided mind. He actually says that in scriptures, you know, a man of divided mind is unstable in all his ways. I can tell you, he's stable. He's reliable. Wow, what a, what, a, what a God, what a being. Totally different from anything I've ever encountered. Totally different. I encounter a lot of people who look like me, who act like me, who think like me. Some maybe don't think like me, but still, I've encountered people I can relate to. How can I relate to God? It's totally different. The doctrine of divine unity states that God is one. For us, we talk about his many attributes and individual characteristics, but we have to be careful with doing that. His grace is amazing, but it does not act independent of his holiness or his mercy. In fact, it cannot because while God's grace uh, is, is God's grace is God's riches at Christ's expense, it is freely given to all because his holiness and mercy demand it to be given to all. While his justice and righteousness also comes into play in saving grace. So salvation, in salvation we have grace, mercy, holiness, righteous, justice. What else? He is wholly complete. I act sometimes out of anger, I, independent of everything else, goes out the door. Ah! He's always kept in check. My, my personality, my, my temperament, my spirit, my, my mind is fallen. So I act in strange ways, but he doesn't. He acts in complete harmony with himself. Jerry Bridges says, Holiness is the perfection of all God's other attributes. His power is holy power. His mercy is holy mercy. His wisdom is holy wisdom. It is his wisdom more than any other attribute that makes him worthy of our praise. Praise the Lord. are you glad he's holy? God is a, he wants just to know that he is different. And he wants us to be different. Leviticus 11:44 and 45 says, for I am the Lord your God. You shall therefore consecrate yourselves and you shall be holy for I am holy. Neither shall you defile yourselves with any creeping thing that creeps on the earth for I am the Lord who brings you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. You shall therefore be holy for I am holy. Be different. In theological terms, we talk about God's otherness. He is other than us. He is different. And he wants us to reflect that difference. Now, I've talked about God and his holiness now for a few minutes. Have I once talked about behavior? Do's and don'ts. Have I once talked about uh, what you wear? Have I once talked about where you go? No, God tells us, work out that. Your own salvation with fear and trembling but he does want you to know that I am God and I am holy and I expect you to, re- to live that way. He expects us to live like we, we are his, like he is different. So we have to be different. He's different from this world. We should be different. You know, we cried out for revival. Lord, revive us. Revive our country. Revive our land. Change us. Save us. And we became no different from the world. We prayed for our family that were lost. Prayed that God would save them and we became indistinguishable from them. He wants us to be different. He wants us to be his people. Some Christians and churches and even Christian music groups reach out to the world with so much effort, and it's admirable and it's great, but they leave behind something. They have no anchor. Whenever they go to the world, what do they bring? Love, grace, and mercy. Everyone loves love, grace, and mercy. But we have to remember that he is a holy God that he is different. He admonishes over and over again the children of Israel to be different from the surrounding nations. Yes, some of the things we look at now and we go, that's really bizarre. Let's be honest. Don't mix fabrics. It's a bit odd. Don't eat shellfish and things like that. It's a bit odd. Yes, there's probably health things involved and it's odd, but he's wanting them to be different. He wants them to sit, stand apart and for the other surrounding nations who thought of things as common in every day, looked at them and go, why are you different? What would they say? Well, our God is a holy God. He told us to be different. He is wholly other than us. He's wholly other than Baal. He's wholly other than different than Molech and, and gods of Greece and Rome. He's wholly different and he expects us to be slightly different. Slightly quirky. So we have this natural tendency of bringing everything into our way of thinking, of, of, of looking at God through our, our way of, uh, uh, our abilities. I remember having a conversation with someone who was a uh, crime prevention officer and they talked about men and women when it comes to shoplifters. Men were always very good at telling you what build he was, what height he was, Ruth could probably tell me if I'm right or not men were always good with that sort of thing you know build and height because instinctively men measure him up I could take him you know we, we instinctively couldn't tell you what he was wearing but I could tell you I could take him or maybe not whereas women can always tell well he had this he was wearing this he was actually well turned out he had nice shoes on. That's always been my thing, you know. Uh, not that I've always had nice shoes, but you can always tell the quality of a guy by the shoes, you know. <laughs> but I have nice, you know. Look, one could tell you what colour he wore. His hair was sitting right. His eyes—they just popped, you know. <laughs> you know, and that's what we do. We bring God into our way of thinking. We love Jesus, absolutely adore Jesus, because he's a man. We, we know what it would be, we can imagine what it would be like to be beaten. We can, we can imagine to some degree what it would be like to be scorned by those you, you thought you trusted. We, we can understand, maybe to a degree, what it would be like to, to be crucified. We love that about Jesus. We, we, we can relate to that. But when it comes to the holiness of God, God doesn't give us that privilege. He, he doesn't let us bring his holiness into our frame of thinking. He doesn't let us try and work out holiness in our minds. He wants us to look at holiness through his eyes. He wants us to look at this world through his eyes. As a lost world. As a world that needs a Savior. That's what he wants us to do. He wants in his holiness us to appreciate that he is different. And that what he offers mankind through his word and through Christ's sacrifice is wholly different. Psalm 50 says, verse 21, these things you have done and I kept silent. You thought that I was altogether like you, but I will rebuke you and set them in order before your eyes. You thought I was like you. You thought I was no better than you, is what he's saying. You thought I was just a regular man. He's not. He's God. The God of the universe. The God who created all things. Sustains all things. That's my God. You know, we wink at sin. We smirk at it. We go, go ahead, take another cookie. Oh, look at that. He got away with that. You know, we wink at it. Smirk at it, turn a blind eye, do nothing about it. Not God. Not God. He can't. He can't and he won't. He is not like us. He is not from this world. We need this reminder. We need this reminder in our preaching, in our singing, in our lives, to remember that he is not like us. He is not swayed by the things that sway us. He is not moved by public opinion or the cultural atmosphere in the public arena. He's not moved by those things. He's not affected by them. Oh, I, I've had enough with God. Do you see what that church did? See what that guy said? Doesn't amuse him. He's not entertained. God is not affected by our petty hang ups. He's not affected by them. He's not affected by what we hear and what we see on TV. He's God, God of all the universe. He could, if he wanted to, wipe it out, start again. But he is still a God of grace and a God of mercy. He is still holy, complete. He's not schizophrenic. Wonderful. Glory, God. praise the Lord. Yes, he came to save and to reconcile, but he is still God. What did the prophet do in this vision? Goes into the temple. Said there, he goes into the temple and he sees God high and lifted up and his train filled filled the temple. He sees the seraphim, these strange divine creatures flying and he sees them and he hears them cry out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. What does the prophet do? Woe is me. Woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips. See, the prophet knew that God was holy. He had been brought up knowing that God is different, that he had treated the children of Israel differently, that he required a certain way to approach him. You read the books of of Exodus and you read into Numbers, Leviticus and Deuteronomy, you read those scriptures, you read the way God commands the people to approach him, the way he commands the people to honor him. He's getting them to tell them a story, and the prophet knows that God is different, and he knows that I cannot go into the presence of God. Remember the tabernacle in the wilderness? The high priest would go into the holy of Holies once a year with the blood from the altar, and what he did was he would have around at the bottom of his garments. He would have a bell and a pomegranate and a bell and a pomegranate. and as he walked, he'd jingle. And he had a rope tied around his leg. And he would go in and he would sprinkle the blood. And he would hope that he would not get struck down by the holiness of God, the Shekinah presence of God, which dwelt over the ark. And he would go in and he would go, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he said it three times Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. And he would go in and he would sprinkle the blood, expecting I might get struck down. I might not be accepted. And the prophet knew this. The high priest knew it, and that's why he had the rope. If he gets struck down, they could drag his body out. If the jingling stopped, he could pull him out. And the prophet said, Whoa, whoa, am I. Whoa, am I. I stand before a holy God. It's not just holy. He's holy, holy, holy. Exposed to that. Whoa is often the prophets would say, woe unto this city, woe unto this people, woe. It was a a, a, a coming judgment. It was a calamity is coming. Your judgment is coming. And here the prophet says, woe am I. I stand before a holy God. Woe am I. Wow. Do you think he knew what, what God was like? Do we think we know what God is like? Come before God sometimes in our in our sin and in our fallen state. Come before Him in our apathy, in our indifference. Woe am I! I come before a holy God. He who is wholly different from me. Wow. Isaiah sixty-four says, "But we are all like an unclean thing, and all our righteousness." Are like filthy rags. A comparison of his holiness and ours is a million miles away. A million miles away. Sinclair B. Ferguson said God's holiness means he is separate from sin, but holiness in God also means wholeness. His holiness is his goodness. It is his being God in all that it means for him to be God. To meet God in his holiness, therefore, is to be altogether overwhelmed by the discovery that he is God and not a man. What was the next thing the prophet went on to say? He said, I dwell in the midst of a fallen people who have sinful lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. He, knew, he was aware of those around him. Suddenly he could see himself as he was before God and he could see everyone around him and see what they were like and see the culture around him. You know what? It's not just me. We're all the same. You know what? I take heart in that. I take heart in that. It's not just me. It's all of us. We all need this reminder that he is holy. C.S. Lewis Now, he's talking about Christianity, said, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has not, uh, as the sun has risen, not because I see it, but because by it, I see everything. And this isn't something that we're talking about, the holiness of God, as, as purely as an Old Testament thing. This goes throughout scripture, right through to the book of Revelation, Revelation 4, 8, and it says, And the four living creatures, each one of them having six wings, are full of eyes around and within, and day and night they do not cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. Oh, we love that, don't we? Who was and is and is to come. Oh, we love that. We'd praise God about that all day. But he's wholly different. Even for the angels, they noted it, he is wholly different. Wonderful. Absolutely. I am so glad. Are you glad this morning that God's not like us? Are you glad that he's high above us? That he's not affected by those things that affect us? Yes, he understands. He's touched by our our emotions and our feelings. But he is wholly different. Glory to God. It's worth noting, just as the prophet the, the seraphim brought a coal off the altar. I actually had to remark, it uh, made me chuckle because it says that the, the seraphim took tongs and a coal off the, alt, uh, of the altar and took it to the prophet and touched him. i believe even the, 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 the seraphim had to use tongs, you know, it's just, what what's he doing with tongs, you know? Uh, but isn't it worth noting, isn't it wonderful that he was standing before God aware of God's majesty, his train filling the temple, his authority, his power, his holiness, and yet God bridged that gap. Oh, praise the Lord. He bridged the gap. The seraphim came and got that coal off the altar and he touched him, touched him with it. And instead of incinerating him, instead of destroying him, instead of wiping him out in the glare of God's holiness, this coal of the altar purified him. It made him pure and clean and able to stand before God. Read the book of Isaiah. This is chapter six. The tone of Isaiah changes dramatically from here on in. The vision that he had of the coming Messiah and the things that he would suffer and that he would do. Wow. Did he have to understand the holiness of God first? I don't know. Standing under judgment, it is woe, 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 woe unto me. But once we've interacted with God, once we have received what He has sent to us in the form of Jesus, now we can join with the seraphim and sing, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord God Almighty. How wonderful! The holiness of God guarantees that he will act in complete harmony with his character and attributes. Without the holiness of God, he could favor, just as we do, he could favor one attribute more than another. He could be a God of justice to the exclusion of his mercy and grace, or he could be gracious God to the exclusion of his righteousness. In either case, in our preaching, if we exclude his holiness he would be lessened and demeaned. He would become a cosmic bearded judge that so many who do not know him already think of him as. Or he'd become a doting, senile Santa type God who smiles a lot and doesn't really mean a lot. A lot of people think he's like that. So a full picture of who God is is important to us. Now, this God that we're talking about says in 1 John 1, 5, is this is the message which you have heard from him and declare to you that God is light. In him is no darkness at all. There's no darkness in him. He's a holy God, but he's not a, a malevolent God. He's got no dark intent in him. We live in a world full of dark intents, full of shadows and things that, are, uh, that could go wrong and things that are out to get us at times but God is not like that. This holy God that we're talking about this morning, James 1, 16 says, do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes from the father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. That's an amazing type of God. That's a holy God that I can worship, that I can trust. You can trust him if you know he's holy. And holiness, and you know his character, does not change. That's not natural. That's supernatural. Charles Spurgeon said, In holiness God is more clearly seen than in anything else, save in the person of Christ Jesus the Lord, of whose life such holiness is but a repetition. What a mighty God we serve. What a wonderful God. Isn't it wonderful to know that he is different. By default, that also means that his ability to help us, his ability to intervene in our situations, his ability to help with any conflict and any confusion or distress that we go through, his ability is not like ours, which has limits. But he is God. He is a holy God, worthy of our praise and our worship. That's the type of God I can praise that's the type of God I can worship. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We produce a variety of sermon videos and inspiring Christian content available for free on our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and search Moira Pentecostal or visit our website for more information www.mpc.org.uk